2: Welcome to This League Uncut! In the world of 24-hour NBA
1: news, this news, you lose! Chris Haynes, it's go time! Mark Stein, it's show time! boom saka This League Uncut is underway and on fire! This should be a good one.
3: Everyone, welcome to another edition of This League Uncut. Mark Stein here with Chris Haynes. In the second half of this show, we will naturally take a detailed look at the headline news out of Milwaukee Thursday. The Bucks announcing that they have parted ways with championship winning coach Mike Budenholzer. But we're going to start with the playoffs. It's not often again that we get the chance to come on or the chance to record right after the final buzzer. We made the decision. We're recording this on Thursday night for a Friday morning release, and we made the decision. Hey, we gotta we gotta wait and let this Lakers Warriors game two play out, and then record. And so, uh, unfortunately, we were not treated to a classic like Game One. We were basically treated to the rerun of what happened in the Boston Philly series. Just a game two route snooze. Not happy. Yeah,
4: we could. We could have actually started recording at halftime. Yeah, we,
3: we could have. And we we tried to do the responsible thing. It's funny, though. One of my mentors, the, the great Tommy Bonk from the L.A. Times, before that, the Houston Post, he is actually basketball historians will remember that it was Tommy Bonk in the Houston Post who christened the famed University of Houston team starring Akeem Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler. He's the one who came up with Phi Slamma Jamma. And many years later, when we were both covering tennis, believe it or not, he taught me some famed sports writer psychology. If you can't play good, play fast to help the guys on deadline. And I think that's kind of what we got tonight. The second half just zoomed by because it wasn't much of a contest. Third quarter Warriors came out, blew the thing open. so we got, it's, it, it's 1-1 Lakers Warriors. It's 1-1 Knicks Heat. It's 1-1, Sixer Celtics. The only 2-0 is Denver going to Phoenix now with a 2-0 lead. And Phoenix, no Chris Paul in Game 3, probably not in Game 4 or 5 either. So the Suns are in huge trouble. But, I mean, how, how big of a come down was this for you? Game 1, you're working sideline. You're right in the heart of the action. The chaos, the energy that was oozing through the screen tonight you weren't there. I guess actually it worked out. You picked the you picked uh, it's a good thing that ESPN had this game cuz I didn't I didn't feel much energy and excitement uh you know bouncing off the TV screen tonight.
4: Stein, I was pumped up for game 1, Stein. I Stein, but 20 minutes before tip my body is just like I'm just lightweight shaking. I just had so much energy in me, man. It's the marquee matchup. It's what everybody wanted to see, man. And I was, um, you know, I was blessed to be a, a part of it. You know, be a part of that broadcast, man. So I just had so much energy, and I, you know, I was prepared. It just, it just felt good, and the, the excitement. It, it was by far probably the best atmosphere I've experienced in the in this year's playoffs thus far. So yeah, you it, could. No, I mean, so, I,
3: I think, like I said, even the people at home could feel it. There was, there was so much anticipation for that game. And, you know, so much was made about it's LeBron versus Steph, but, you know, AD outshined everyone in game one. And then tonight, just such a passive performance from AD that's going to get everybody on his case again. Now, this is exactly the kind of game that that uh, that drives people nuts about AD when, you know, he was otherworldly with th- 30, 23, what was it, five blocks? Just, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was... The decisive factor in Game One and tonight, passive. Um,
4: I think you got to Stein. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you Stein. And I, I've noted. I noticed this my first year covering the Warriors when I was at ESPN. So this would have been 2016, and this is the first time I noticed Draymond guards Anthony Davis really good. He's he's probably. Draymond is probably the toughest defender for AD. I don't know if AD has ever said that or ever ever acknowledged that, but the years I've seen him, half a decade, seven years or whatever it's been, Dre has always played AD tough. And you look at AD not being aggressive today, I think that had a lot to do with Draymond. And I'm not saying AD can't get his buckets, can't get his baskets, but Draymond is always being physical, always pushing him out of his comfort zone. You know, you're going to get a bump with Draymond. And sometimes a lot of players like to avoid just being touched. And I would expect AD to come out much better, much more assertive in game three. But this matchup, th- that matchup has changed the complexion of this series. And it's not necessarily like, I know, hey, Steve Kerr is catching strays. He was catching a lot of strays. Right before the game, when it was announced that Jermichael Green is ste- stepping into the starting lineup in place of Kavon Looney, who's been getting 20 rebounds, it seems like, for the, this this whole month. But it worked out. Jermichael Green had a good game. But most importantly, Draymond was the primary defender on Anthony Davis. And I think that had a lot to do with AD's performance in game two.
3: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's interesting. I was talking to – I will call him a well-placed observer – like you, very familiar with the dynamics at play here when we're talking about Draymond Green historically against Anthony Davis. And the way it was described to me was let me make sure I got this exactly right. Draymond has always taken that matchup personally. And I think you could really see it in this game, too. Warriors go ultra small, and Draymond had just a Draymond game, really impactful. At the defensive end, and at the offensive end, the playmaking—you know—again, I am, I am old, and I don't know if you have you ever seen the fish that save Pittsburgh. Have you seen that movie? Never even heard of it. You have to find it. You have to watch it. It is, a, it is, it is one of, to me, the five best basketball movies ever. Now there is a lot of nonsense in it. A lot of nonsense. You have to suspend some level of belief cuz it is nonsensical but it came out in the late 70s starring Dr. J about a fictional NBA team in Pittsburgh that adopts a astrological strategy and only gets players under the sign of Pisces and they become this amazing team but the reason it was so great this is the late 70s there's not that much NBA on national TV And I always say, if you like, it came out when I was around 10 at that time, the white shadow, which to me is still probably the greatest television show ever. And then the fish that saved Pittsburgh, like that, that those basketball shows were more accessible to me than being able to watch national games. Of course, I was living in in Southern California at the time, so I could see the Lakers, but like watching the white shadow every day and then the fish that saved Pittsburgh, like Dr. J is the star of this movie. Incredible dunk! The dunk montage. Just look. Just look up on YouTube, the dunk montage of Dr. J in Fish That Saved Pittsburgh in 1979. This was off the charts, incredible. But the the reason well,
4: you're giving you're giving me two assignments. You got no, but because you gotta watch it. No, no, you no, but you're giving me two. You assignments. haven't seen the White Shadow either. I haven't seen the White Shadow as well. I never, never heard the White Shadow.
3: Oh my, <laughs> Chris Haynes. this is like.
4: All right. I'll do saying this is
3: a dagger. Okay. The, the White Shadow is the greatest show in television history if you're a basketball fan. Ken Reeves, fictional former Chicago Bull, goes to coach, suffers a career ending knee injury, and goes to coach the legendary, well, it wasn't legendary until he got there, the Carver High basketball team in South Central LA. Unbelievable. This show was ahead of its time. And like, I'm telling you as a basketball, like at 10, this, this was the basketball that I got to see more than NBA games. But the reason I got on this whole tangent was in this, in the fish that saved Pittsburgh, Metal Lemon, Lemon, Globetrotters legend plays this playmaking center who was a reverend, and just all and and like when draymond is like playing he's playing small ball center and making all these plays that's what it reminds me of. it reminds me of metal ark lemon just just running the show offensively like he did in the fish that saved pittsburgh we saw some of that yeah. out of draymond too
4: okay okay look look please hey people please tweet if uh, you're on Twitter, you can send an email. Find, a, find our email address, or even on Instagram, send a comment, remark. Have y'all ever heard of these two movies? Please, <laughs> he's calling these movies the best basketball movie. No, I said of it's all in time. it's in my
3: top five. Not Fish That Save Pittsburgh <laughs> is not the best basketball movie of all time, but it's in my it, it's in my top five. Okay. And you know who agrees with me? At your next TNT staff meeting, do me a favor, or the next time, the next time you do a hit for Inside the NBA. Holler at Shaq and ask Shaq, hey Shaq, Stein keeps telling me about this movie, The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. Shaq will tell you that movie helped change his life. Because da- just just if you don't watch the movie, which is I understand you might not want to go back and watch a movie from 1979 that that, like I said, has a lot of
4: It has a lot I of would. it has
3: a lot of stupid stuff in it too. But uh-huh. just go on YouTube and dial up the Dr. J dunk montage from the fish that saved Pittsburgh and think about this isn't 2023. This is 1979. So this is like mind blowing stuff for a 10 year old kid to watch us. And the white shadow best. Oh, maybe people are going to argue with me about, is it the best TV show of all time? Best TV show theme. I will put the opening music of the white shadow up against any TV show ever. And yes, I want, I, I, Look, I know our younger, Stein, our younger, our yeah. younger listeners are going to think gonna I have understand. lost my mind, but but there are going to be some.
4: <laughs> yes, they there are, are
3: going to be some older listeners who are like, "Yeah, Stein, you are tell tell them about the White Shadow, tell them about the fish that saved Pittsburgh."
4: You know, it's a movie called He Got Game. Yeah, okay. yes, I've heard Blue of. Chips. Yeah,
3: blue love you Blue know, Chips is in my top five too. Coach Carter. Coach Carter you didn't know, make it. A, White, That's white men, back. white men can't jump is white number one jump. here. Let me call up. I I, I did this for the, I'm going to try to find it while we're looking. I did my top five for the New York times about five years ago. And, uh,
4: oh lord, I'll,
3: uh, I'll find it while, while, oh. while we're talking about the, the reason I got on that whole tangent, is but,
4: but, but you went all the, yeah, I get, I get why you went on that tangent. You went all the way to the seventies. Because the '70s movie reminded you of Draymond yes, Green in 2020. Yes, Draymond's, okay. Draymond's right.
3: playmaking okay. as a small ball five <laughs> was Arc Lemon esque.
4: Oh boy, it was. I actually met Metal, Metal Arc a few years before he. No man, pretty. It was pretty soon after, before he passed. Came to Portland. He was doing. A, he did a last stint with the Globetrotters. Um, that was cool that was cool. So that 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 legend right there I do know. All these other individuals you mentioned mentioning I have to do my research. Like I said,
3: just uh, you know what? And like I said, I you don't you're a busy man, maybe you don't have time. So if you don't have time to watch the whole movie and if you don't have time to watch a bunch of one hour episodes, just go on YouTube and just watch the Dr. J dunk montage from the Fish That Saved Pittsburgh and then just watch the intro to any episode of The White Shadow. And just if you just do that for me,
4: So, Draymond, Stein, I was at game one. Um, obviously, I had the assignment. And it, it's, it's, it's interesting seeing the dynamic of Draymond and how he can go at officials. And just how officials officiate or regulate after they've already given him a technical. And he knows it. Stein. You think he Stein, knows and it? He knows, he knows it. <laughs> Stein. Poor Ed Malloy. Poor, <laughs> poor Ed. Oh, boy. I'm right there, Sty. Ed gives him a tech. And Dre didn't stop. Matter of fact, it got worse. <laughs> it got worse. <laughs> and so I, I, fans don't understand how, like, I, it got worse. Worse. I'm not going to say the stuff Dre was saying. It got worse. And, you know, and Dre didn't get a second tech. But, it, you know, it, you can just see the dynamic with the officials how, you know, Draymond's a big part of of what the Warriors do. And it's it's like that with a lot of p- players in the league that get, you know, Luka Doncic gets a lot, picks up a lot of techs. Um I wouldn't put Dylan Brooks on their level, but Dylan Brooks gets a lot of techs. But how referees are quick to give that first tech, and then the players know, the players know the, official, the officials do not want to be the center of attention by ejecting someone who is very crucial to the team and to the to the outcome, potentially the outcome of that basketball game and how much more leeway they give them after the first tech. It, 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 was, it, was, it was amazing. It was amazing, which, which leads me to believe, which leads me to saying, I should say, is I think there needs to be a lot more leeway in the first tech. For for some people, because I think, you know, it depends, like you you see you see officials giving players text for waving their arms, you know, or or they'll make a gesture, not a not a finger gesture, make a gesture at the hand, like swiping down at the official after a call. Quick T. But then right after that. (laughs) It, the, the 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 talking gets worse you know it's, it's getting worse after that <laughs> and they don't get you know they don't get a tech cuz the, the refs are scared to call a tech so it was just you know i i really enjoy just seeing that dynamic and see how officials call things and how they don't call things after a tech is already whistled well it, interesting i'm stuff. sure
3: the lakers are kind of going to come away from this furious though because they went to the line a ton in game 1 i think only four free throws in the first half tonight doesn't excuse the second half performance. I mean, that was just a second half borderline, no show third quarter. Warriors just ran up the score on them. Uh, We don't normally talk about game two clay, but he was tonight found the three ball. Um, But I mean, Anthony Davis was so brilliant in game one. Didn't leave the floor in the second half, but that naturally led to the question how much did that take out of him? I think the good, you know, I guess good news is probably too strong. The silver lining here for the Lakers is, you know, they got blown out. They didn't really tax LeBron mm-hmm. and AD tonight. They're going to have to bounce back with, I mean, those two. It, it it always, it obviously starts with those two. Stat, I saw the Lakers have actually won nine straight game threes out of a 1-1 tie. We'll see how much that actually means.
4: For this, so you calling this a rest, You calling this a rest for the Lakers? I mean, today. they got a in rest
3: the se- in the fourth <laughs> quarter. They sure did. I mean, D. Ham basically, it was over. Uh, you know, to start the fourth, he was he basically knew it was over. So, I mean, that's that's the only good news. That, because yeah, I mean, Draymond, I mean, AD did not look good tonight, and you know, Draymond is going to take a lot of confidence out of this that he's that his tactics are already working.
4: I mean, he's he's done it before. He's done it before. And, hey, di- didn't Draymond tell us on on the on on our podcast when he came on, probably about a month ago? Did not he tell us he wasn't going to be potting during the playoffs? No, he say no, that? no.
3: He said he's not going to be interviewing. So he, that's why Got that's you. why he wasn't going to ask us on anytime soon because you know that was the, that was the trade that was the. I did not get any executive of the year votes this year. I got zero, but I think I should have because I think I made the best trade of the season when I said, Draymond, for sure. come on our pod and then we'll drop on your pod whenever you want. And he said, let's wait till after the playoffs for your guy's invite. Because after the play in the playoffs, he only does post-game soliloquies. He just gets on there and, and, um, and, and, it's great. I, I mean, I love listening to him because he, you know, I don't know how I don't know how the Warriors actually feel about it. But he get, he <laughs> he breaks it down in his uh, in his candid way.
4: It's just a new day. It's a new day. You, you see the mixed reaction out there. There's a lot of people who like it, who like getting a basketball breakdown from, from somebody who's actually playing in that series the, the very next day or maybe the the same night. And it just drops the next day. Then you have others who be, believe, "Hey, he should be locked in twenty-four hours. You shouldn't be. He shouldn't have time for this. It's just a new day." At the end of the day, if he's still bringing it, um, that's all that matters. And definitely, he brought it for Game Two.
3: Now, since, uh, as you know, I'm living vicariously through you here. For you know where you, know, I'm not going to any of these games. You're the you're you're repping the show on the road here. Are you sticking with this series, or are you uh, are you diverting elsewhere? what's What's your next uh, What's your next TV gig?
4: I'm sticking through this series through. So game three is another ESPN game. Game three is Friday. I have game four Monday, and I have game five um, Wednesday next week. Okay, so those I'm, are so, TNT so games. I'm putting
3: you on the spot, but you if. If you wanted to, decline. but I am,
4: but I will be, I will be at Game Three, but just, just as a, a, a reporter.
3: If you want to decline to answer this, I totally get it, but I'm going to ask it. Anyway. I
4: don't, I don't duck no smoke. All right, line. shoot.
3: So, atmosphere-wise, to work the sideline, sit courtside. What do you like better, Chase Center, or the place that I'm not ready to call its new name, Staples Center?
4: I would say. That's a good question. I'm not ducking. Like, Stein, it's equal. Equal? It's equal. It's equal. See, I would have thought it would equal. have been
3: a Staples layup.
4: What? Why? Just because of people who yeah, are there? Yeah, I mean, it's just...
3: Look, I mean, again, I'm letting my personal biases come in. I My formative years were spent in Southern California. I'm a former Lakers beat writer. There's just... And I every time I go back, there is just something about being courtside at... A Laker game, like there is a there is a courtside energy because and you know the people watching is a big part of it, but like I just feel it every time I come home, and um, you know, and I've never and I'm I'm just sitting in the you know the press row seats. I mean, you 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 know, as the TNT sideline guy, like you have the best press seat there is.
4: Yeah, well, I was looking at it from a different angle. All right, with, with go, the, tell, with tell the me with question. I was looking at it like like which arena. Allows me to do my job the best, okay. you know. Listen, walking around, you know, trying to listen to see what I can get from you know the timeout huddles, and so and I said San Francisco and LA are the same because I can walk there. There's an way. there's a pathway. I can walk to the Lakers side and walk straight to the um, to the opposite side to the Warrior side. The Kings, you haven't you haven't been to um, no, I haven't.
2: I've never. I one have not.
4: Okay. There is not a pathway. So I have to it's, – it's a weird setup. So I sit at the scores table, but in order to get to the warrior side, I have to walk up some stairs that's behind me. There's about six steps. Walk up some stairs that, be, that are behind me, and I, I walk towards the Warriors' side, and then, but I have to pass the Warriors' bench. So I pass the Warriors' bench about 20 feet past them, walk down, then go to the Warriors then I can get to the Warriors bench. the same it's the same path if I want to go to the Kings go right back up these stairs, go towards the King's bench, past the King's bench about 20 feet, go down the steps, then get over to the Kings. So there's not a there's not a one path our way from each bench. And so those are, and so that's what I don't, you know, that, that makes it tough. So really, so basically like for a Kings game or any other arena that's set up like that, if I have to go to a, if there's a timeout, I have to pick one of the teams that I'm going to go just like listen in. on. Right.
3: You can't just move. You can't just maneuver quickly between the changes maneuver. But you know, when I, the years I did ESPN sideline radio, that's what I felt about Cleveland, Cleveland. We said, first of all, the, you know and, th- and this is just extreme whining like that you know should never be done by by a person in, <laughs> in our position but I'm going to do it anyway in Cleveland we the, even for the sideline reporter the seat was way off the court and it was not, it was just not an e- like to get to the Cavs bench from where you were sitting was not yeah uh w- was not easy so I never liked doing games in Cleveland but again now just letting all my selfish uh, my selfishness and personal biases in I loved oakland too i just i loved oakland so much and though you know my last three years at espn i basically lived with the warriors i spent so much time in oakland and i just had i have so many fond memories of the oracle days and i've only been to chase center a couple times but uh and it it just i just do not have the same vibe and feeling there i just don't Unfortunately, we have to segue to from the playoffs to uh, less pleasant news. Thunderbolt earlier Thursday in the coaching world, expected to some degree, but still a thunderbolt because this man won a championship in Milwaukee. Mike Budenholzer out of a job. Uh, the Bucks announced Thursday that they are making the coaching change that many have, Expected since Milwaukee's stunning first round elimination, losing in five to the eighth seeded Miami heat. I don't think there was any way the bucks weren't going to end up going down this road because look, there's a new collective bargaining agreement coming into the league. We've been talking about this a lot. All these teams that have multiple stars, it's going to be really hard in the new NBA to to add to your team if you've got high-salary players, and the Bucs have three of them. The Bucs obviously revolve around Giannis, but they still have Drew Holiday. Chris Middleton has a $40 million player option that even if he declines, he's going to want a long-term, lucrative deal to stay. Brooke Lopez is up for a new deal. It's going to be really hard for the Bucs to dramatically change their team. It's going to be challenging for the Bucs just to keep what they have. So the only way for them to make a drastic change, the only sure way for them to make a drastic change is to make a coaching change. And that's what we're seeing here. Mike Budenholzer there for five years. And to me, it's, it's not dissimilar to what we saw in Toronto, that Nick Nurse, for as good of a coach as he is, there's been rumblings for a while now about discontent, and clearly the Raptors want a new voice. And I think the Bucs players, I don't know if they'll ever put it like this publicly, but I think within that locker room, they wanted a new voice also. And so the Bucs are going that route to find find that new voice because, again, it is the easiest way to, to dramatically change this team before next season.
4: Yeah, and it's not surprising... You know, it was it was kind of a red flag thrown up when when it was announced that the Bucks were not going to have hold exit interviews. Right. And some teams do that anyways, but that that was kind of a sign right there. You know, okay? There's going to be a change pretty soon. Like that's what's going to happen. So you know, it's not surprising. I mean, again, Butenholzer's knock, and there's this was a knock that's been in place since his his days with the Atlanta Hawks, in-game adjustments has always been a knock of his, a knock of his. And he's a phenomenal coach. Still one of the best coaches we have in the association. Good guy. My prayers go out to him and the family. You know, they they just, they lost a brother during he he lost his brother during that um that first round series with the heat. So he was going through a lot. Um, but There were a few times during his tenure in Milwaukee where he was close to getting let go. Uh, It took that Finals run, them getting that championship, that gave him some a little bit more um, staying power. But when you have Giannis Antetokounmpo with the new CBA coming on, that's going to be that's going to be a little bit more tight. Where you won't have that much flexibility to to produce these rosters that a lot of teams call super teams. Milwaukee is trying to do everything they can to maximize um, Giannis's, um prime. And they feel like this was a decision that had to be made. Now, the next decision is who do you get to replace them? Who, who out there that you consider an upgrade? Automatically, some names that will pop up, Nick Nurse for, for sure, uh, Frank Vogel out there are they upgrades i don't know stein i saw a stat out there um that the last four three of the last four coaches to win a championship have been let go Can you?
3: it actually goes it three? actually goes back farther
4: since tw- it goes back since far- 2015
3: since the warriors first Dang. of four championships the only coach still in his job is steve kerr still in that job Ty Lue obviously won the title God. in 2016. He coaches the Clippers now, but he was ultimately let go in Cleveland. And now Nick Nurse, the 2019 champion, Frank Vogel, the 2020 champion, and Mike Budenholzer, the 2021 champion, all without the jobs that helped them get those rings. And it just kind of shows you the pressure that these teams are under. You know, I I, I texted you this earlier thursday because it's true like my new favorite nba analyst is your guy Dame lillard like he i
4: showed it i showed it today he is
3: like he's commenting um you know obviously his season ended way earlier than he wanted but like what it means for us is he's constantly commenting on nba developments and so i'm trying to dial up this tweet here and find it so uh you know the news comes out that the that the bucks have Fired Budenholzer, and again, like you said, it it's not a surprise, but it's still, you know, it still jolts you because again, the guy won a championship two years ago, not that long ago. And Dame's tweet, folks out here firing championship coaches as soon as they don't win the chip, and that's like th- there are so many teams in the league that just feel all in, you know, the all in brigade, and that's why this summer, I think the combination of how many teams are meeting with disappointment and you'd have to throw the Blazers in there and the Mavericks in there and the Grizzlies in there with the Bucks, and the Wizards didn't even make the play-in round and Toronto, huge disappointment, the Bulls, disappointment. I mean, there are so many teams, Minnesota, that like fell so much farther short of expectations than they envisioned. There's going to be change. There's going to be trades as teams – try to address that disappointment, and also try to cope with this new collective bargaining agreement that's going to, it's just going to, res- if you've got two stars, okay, you can build around them. If you've got three stars, it's going to be really tough. And, and you know, it it's going to keep even more pressure on coaches. You know, we've always said in the NBA and every sport that the coach is the easiest thing to change. But I fear for coaches that it's going to be even more so that that statement will ring more true or truer, depending on what you grammarians prefer. Um, I I prefer more true than truer, for what it's worth. Uh, I think it's I think it's going to become a bigger thing for coaches to cope with. It just like you again. It's this is the this is the easiest move for the Bucks to make. But like you said, it like where they go. I mean, you, if you're going to replace Mike Budenholzer, it really comes down to one of two paths for me. Do you do you bring in? a Nick Nurse, or a Frank Vogel, the two clear-cut, proven championship coaches out there, or Charles Lee, who's been a candidate for so many jobs here in recent years, Bucks assistant, he's a finalist right now for Detroit. On Thursday night, I reported that he was just with the Raptors interviewing for the Raptors vacancy. Charles Lee has been one of the most in-demand assistants. Do you just give the job to him and give him a chance to coach this team?
4: I would like to see that. I would like to see that. I'm not discounting that at all. You just have to, for all the knocks on Boone Hoser, all the negative negatives, he was a phenomenal coach, and he is a phenomenal coach, I should say. But you have to produce an upgrade, and if that upgrade you believe is Lee. And they would know more than we would.
3: Yeah, know. they should know more than anybody. They,
4: exactly. They're around him. They know how he. They know how he prepares. They know how he, he's able to communicate. That's them. But they got to get it right. They got to get it. Like if you're gonna make this move, you you already should have somebody in mind or have a few individuals in mind. Uh, that you feel like are, for sure, upgrades. And John Horse over there, I know him well. The general manager over there with the Bucks, he's a smart dude. Obviously, this is again Stein. We know this is something that they've been contemplating doing over the last four years. It was like we, we hear it, it might go down, then the Bucks go on the run when it's top. You know, so this is not something that you know just happened. You know, out, out the whim. So, you know, we'll we'll see how this plays out.
3: And look, I think you nailed it when you said, um, you know, the season ended. No, no Bucks players made available. No, we have not yet heard from John Horst as a, you know, GM giving his end of the season wrap up. And just like in Toronto, Masai Ujiri didn't do his end of the season press conference until Nick Nurse's fate was decided. And uh, the Bucks held off in a similar way. And now they've made the move. And now, you know, Detroit, Charles Lee, Jaron Collins, the New Orleans Pelicans assistant, Kevin Ollie, the former UConn coach, those three have consistently been named, you know, mentioned and circulated as the finalists for the Detroit opening in Toronto. They're just getting their search started. And the Raptors have said they want to take a long, you know, a longer term approach to trying to find the Nick Nurse replacement. Now will Budenholzer become a candidate for the Raptors? Budenholzer was very much a candidate. Uh, when they decided to hire Nick to replace Dwayne Casey and then you know the Bucks with the third opening what will they do do they go ke- you know with so much riding on the future again you know we said it Chris Middleton player option heading for free agency B- Brooke Lopez heading for free agency Giannis Antetokounmpo extension eligible in the fall v- going to be really tough for the Bucks to make any kind of meaningful upgrades around the edges if they keep, if they re sign Middleton and Brooke, I mean, you know, goodbye flexibility, most likely. So, can you really hand the team over to a first year coach after what just happened to them? That's the decision the Bucks are going to have to figure out. If they love Charles Lee and they think he's the guy, then do it. Be bold, go for it. And we're going to see if they believe in the guy who's there or if they're going to say, we've got to replace experience with experience and that's really the question all right everyone that does it for another edition of this league uncut huge weekend ahead will jimmy butler be back for the miami heat in game three as Knicks heat shifts to south beach as we said denver the only 2-0 lead no chris paul in game three probably not in game four either so the suns In a really tough spot, a lot riding on can Cameron Payne step in for Chris Paul and they don't have really anything behind Cameron Payne now at the point. Can the Suns dig themselves out of this 0-2 hole? Warriors-Lakers shifts to LA. Sixers-Boston, man. Joel Embiid is back game two. uh, All he really got was a chance to get back on the court and Try to get some level of rhythm because that second half, no show from the Sixers. But you know, that series, I mean, I think you know the winner of that series is supposed to be the favorite to win it all from here. So still tons riding on all these games. We will be back with you in just a couple of days to make sense of where we are. Chris Haynes, enjoy that Staples. Hold on, Stein. All Stein, right.
4: I, have a, I have an announcement real quick. Oh,
3: announcement. Okay.
4: I have an announcement real quick. So I, I, I'm sorry, listeners, t- to inform you that I have to continue my streak of omitting a story that I said during, during this podcast. Producer Ryan, Dr. Ryan, we're going to have to delete my story I gave or in two, about 2019. Wife said, I'd leave it alone. And, so and well, the trend wha- continues. And, w- and what
3: wife says goes.
4: I need to have <laughs> like, sorry. I need to have- a- One day, one day I'm going to be able to say my story and let it go. Let it just hit and live with the consequences.
3: Man, I mean, I need to have like a little button that I can press to like alert her. (laughs) We're
4: heading into some dangerous
3: territory here. I need some help.
4: (laughs) (sighs) We're we're going to call a name. We got to come up with a name. One day, I I I promise you, I'll be able to get a story out and you'll be able to hear it. I promise you. Just not today.
3: (laughs) You are something else. One Of a kind. Chris Haynes, America. All right. That really does it now for this edition of, I guess we have to call it, This League with a very rare, small, unavoidable cut. We'll be back soon with the fully unbridled This League Uncut. Just a couple of days. Just wait for us. We'll be back with more soon.
1: And that'll do it for us. See you next time. This League Uncut is an iHeartRadio Radio Production. Boom Shakalaka! Chris Haynes and Mark Stein!